The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Good afternoon. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. And we're live on Chai FM, broadcasting on 101.9 FM throughout Johannesburg and worldwide on the Chai FM app or on the Chai FM website, www.chaifm.com. If you ever access that website and you want to listen to some past shows, click on podcasts, go to Monday, click on Confidential Brief, and there is a whole record, a whole library of previous podcasts of interesting guests. Our guest will be joining us in studio a little bit later. Today is Marnie von Skogweg. He is the chief executive of the uh, South African Fraud Prevention Services, and the SAFPS is an organization that is concerned with your well-being as a consumer, and their primary focus is the protection of your identification. This last weekend, I saw the most interesting tweet. It was a tweet from uh, Tito Mboweni, and it had a picture of a lever arch file um, which was addressed to the President of South Africa, and it was the report on the PRC Commission of Inquiry. And the tweet went something along the lines of he's going to take a little bit of time in between his cooking this weekend to have a look at this report because it's an important report and that the president is expecting feedback from him today, this coming Monday. And a lot of people found it amusing. A couple of journalists said, why don't you give us a copy? We'll help summarize it, you know, ha, ha, ha. That way they can get to see some of the findings before anybody else. But I think what took me the most by surprise in terms of this particular tweet is the apathy shown towards a report that goes to the very heart of state capture, the very heart of the abuse of funds in South Africa. If one looks at the, the, the PRC, the Public Investment Corporation, it's investing funds primarily from the Gauteng, uh, from, from the, from the, from the government employees pension fund, the GEPF. Uh, we know that they invested heavily into Steinhoff. We know they invested heavily into other, um, organizations such as the media group, IOL, etc. And as a result of this, this is, this is money that belongs to the pensions of our public servants, the hardest working people in South Africa. And I find it, I find it sad that the head of a government department, somebody who was at a stage the, the, the head of our, our reserve bank, can jest about the importance of such an important report. This is a report that needs to be analyzed. It has to be examined. The remedies and the sanctions have to be imposed. And hopefully monies will be recovered as a result of the monies that were plundered from that particular um, fund from the PIC. And we need to see heads roll. And I don't think it's the place of a very senior member um, of government, a senior member of the ruling party, to jest about the report and to basically intimate that it's on the same level as he's cooking on that particular weekend. You may think I'm being petty. You may think it was said in jest, but nothing to do with state capture, nothing to do with the plunder of the public purse can be associated with anything that's humorous. There is nothing humorous about people that have lost their livelihoods, service delivery that is non-existent in certain areas, children that do not have the same level of education in certain areas, medical infrastructure that is collapsing. And if a, if a senior member of our government wants to jest about such a report, it just goes to show how serious some people um, are about perhaps not pursuing this and perhaps 
not ensuring that heads roll. We now in February, it's hard to believe that uh, one month has already passed in 2020. I'll be quite honest with you, when I woke up this morning, I felt like it was a September-October month. I felt like it had already been through an entire year. So that being said, um, if anybody else is stressed out there, if they're overwhelmed, if they're desperate, if they need to talk, we have a 24-hour helpline. It's 0800 242436, and um, it's a a free toll line that people can call should they require assistance, should they need to talk, if they're overwhelmed, if they're desperate. And it's something that is sponsored by FM in the interest of the community. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Joining me in studio today is the Executive Director of the South African Fraud Prevention Services, Marnie van Skalkvak. Marnie, welcome to the show. Hello, good morning, Chad. Marnie, um, identity theft has become a massive problem, not just in South Africa, but worldwide. We watch these programs on television. We, we, we see how people try to get your passwords, how the phishing takes, takes place, etc. But it's a far worse problem than what people actually un- un- understand. And identity theft is a lot more than just this, this, these phishing attempts. What is the actual definition of identity theft? Um, before I start, maybe Chad, can I, Chad, maybe I can just give you context of where we come from. Um, and we are a non-profitable organization which was started 20 years ago by the banks, um, who needed a platform to list confirmed fraud information. If I mention confirmed fraud, it's not convicted fraud. Um, and it's not suspected fraud. So, so how it will work is the bank will, <coughs> excuse me, the bank will see uh, something fishy in a, in a transaction, they will do an investigation and then afterwards confirm w- with evidence that this is confirmed fraud. So this is what we specialize in. We, we went to the UK 20 years back. We found a company called Cyphers and this organization, the South African Fraud Prevention Services was born, um, on that premise and on that model. Um, that is the main crux of our business. The second part of our business, which I think is, uh, for, for our listeners out there, is if you are a victim of identity theft. So somebody has stolen your ID and they they snipped out the photo and they replaced it with their photo and they opened accounts <coughs> in your name and you, uh, which you don't know about and you can then become a victim, list yourself as a victim of identity theft. And also the third part of our business um, is where we what we call protective registration. And that is if you lose your handbag with your ID or your laptop with a copy of your ID on, and you are not a victim as yet, but you really want to make sure that you don't, do not become a victim of identity theft. Then you can also, through a process that we will give you, um, list yourself as a protective registration on this database. And that is our business in a nutshell. Well, thank you for that, because my second question was going to lead up to the South African Fraud Prevention Services, how they came about and what their actual role is. So to go back, for our listeners' benefit, um, what would you classify as identity theft? Well, identity theft, if, if somebody that you obviously have not given permission, is is imp- they they using documents number one uh, to and change their documents so that that it looks like it's them uh, representing you or. or as you applying for loans. The second part is not necessarily stealing documents, but in an online environment, um, they can mimic you 
and through that mimic uh, looks like to the credit provider or the bank that it's you on the other side of the line. And actually it's not. So, so there's really somebody trying to steal your identity, not because to have fun with it, but literally to open accounts, to, to lay their hands, number one, on money that they can open accounts with <coughs> or loans. And the second one is to, to gain access to data. Um, so, so those are the main objectives for people stealing your identity. How prolific is identity fraud in South Africa? Um, well, we, we, we have a forefront of us, and we're getting uh, reports from the banks and the retailers on this, and it's definitely on the rise. What we saw by October last year, and I haven't finalized the figures for, for end of 2019, but by the, by the middle of 2019, we saw the figure doubling for the last three years. So 2016, 2017, it was up by 89%. Uh, 2017, 2018, it was up by 91%. And then up to the point where we, sta- we were standing in 2019, it was nearly doubling again. So, so it is literally out of control and, uh, the consumers are really in pain because it's a painful process when you, when you have, your identity has been stolen and you need to prove that this is not you. This is not you who committed uh, or took the loans out and not repaying. So it is a painful process. But, um, yeah, you asked for the stats. That's what, that was the stats. Well, those stats are very scary. And I think what's going to be very important later in the show is when you're going to be advising our listeners how they can actually protect their identity um, through protective registration, etc. And I think another thing that, that's, that's quite scary is that identity theft isn't just limited to a criminal wanting to use your credit profile in order to obtain money through a, a loan or a vehicle or, or other things that they can, they can on-sell. But you've also got criminal syndicates that want to use your clean identity to create bank accounts to launder funds through. Do you see an increase in that? Well, we, we don't – it's not really where we play at in terms of the anti-money laundering. But um, I'm sure that, that is exactly that. What we do see, however, is uh, what we call money mules. And that is where – a typical example for that is somebody would pay somebody else to open a bank account in the name. Because, you know, South Africa has moved forward leaps and bounds in terms of biometrics, uh, finger, voice, and and face biometrics. We can touch on a bit later (coughs) on that. But uh, we – and the criminals realize that. So they're trying to use a real person um, to open a bank account with their fingerprint or their voice or their face and then use that account to to launder money. and, you know, obviously they won't tell that story to the, to, to the, the guy sitting on the, on the street corner. They would say, listen, I want to send money to uh, my home country, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and the banks do not want to open a bank account. Do you mind open a bank account? I'll pay you a thousand or thousand to five hundred rand for, for your effort. Um, and then after that sob story, consumers kind of feel, my gosh, you know, they, they've been in, a, a, a difficult situation and they're just helping somebody out. They are not helping somebody out. Um, they're helping a criminal pushing money um, and laundering it in their name and they would find themselves, the money mules would find themselves um, listed on a bureau like South African Fraud Prevention Services. We're chatting to Marnie van Skalkbeek from the South African Fraud Prevention Services. When we come back, we'll chat more about the financial crimes that are impacting on you, the consumer, and what you can do to protect yourself. 
You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas, and today we're chatting to Marnie van Skalkweg, the Executive Director of the South African Fraud Prevention Services, which is a non-profit organization set up quite some time ago to try to combat um, financial crime and of late has become far more involved in the protection of consumers' identities. Before we went to break, we were chatting about an interesting phenomenon known as money mules or, or, or mules involved in the opening of bank accounts. And this is something we see more and more of where because of FICA, because of the biometric aspect of now opening accounts, etc., people are actually going to the most vulnerable in society, those that could do with a few rand, and conning them into using their identity into opening bank accounts. What is the, the legal standing of that person if their bank account was used for an illicit purpose? If they can, it, Was it legal for them in the first place to allow a third party to make use of, of, of their profile? Well, n- number one, absolutely not. You know, so you cannot do that. And, and in terms of a bank's terms and condition, it's very clear that you cannot do it. Number two, it makes a person complicit to a crime. If we look at the statistics of CIFAS, which is our UK equivalent, their money mules is now their highest, one of the highest uh, complaints that they receive, um, and where the banks identify it's a money muling, and. They linked, they did a huge investigation with the police force, and they linked that, uh, the money mulling directly to terrorism and human trafficking. Which, you know, so, so one thinks that you're doing somebody a favor because the story is heartfelt and, and sounds very, uh, you know, very true. But, but if you see the bigger picture of where that money goes to and what it's done, it is incredible. Um, and one should not uh, not even remotely start uh, allowing other people into your bank accounts and transferring money into, in, uh, to, to, to somebody else. And you would be totally uh, complicit to a crime. So South Africa, it's, it's the perfect storm. You have um, incredible banking systems. You have a banking infrastructure which is of a first world standard. In fact, in some instances, we're even better than some first world countries. Mm. We've introduced all these measures to try to combat the opening of fake bank accounts. But we have people who are vulnerable, people who need money Mm. and syndicates who are preying on them. Is there some tool or mechanism either by the state or the banks or organizations such as yourself to try educate the public about this? I think you're hitting the nail on the head is that it is about education. It is about making people aware what the money is really used for. Um, and it's stations like yourselves which really helps in that process in spreading the word um, and getting the word out to, to, to tell people. Because if they don't know, they really just believe that they're doing somebody a favor and they're saying you know, in with the whole thing, which I think 90% of the cases are not. But people need to understand um, the, what what the money is in for, and it's an education process. I think it's an education process that, that needs a combined approach between government and NGOs like ourselves uh, and other NGOs and, and, and other vehicles that needs to communicate this straight to the consumers, not to allow people uh, 
to, to utilize their bank accounts. What's unfortunate is that we have a massive spike in crime in South Africa. And a lot of the, the, the crimes that we, we seeing a spike in are not necessarily contact crimes, which in a way is quite good. But what's bad is that the non-contact crimes, the financial-related crimes, the so-called white-collar crimes, are impacting on most South Africans as we speak. Mm. An organization such as yourself is, is relatively unknown to the greater public because only when they suffer a problem do they start looking for resources mm. to try and prevent any further instances from taking place, and they go into reactive mode. So let's talk a little bit about your organization as a whole. It was founded quite some time ago. What was the original intention of the organization, and how did it evolve into into helping the consumer? Yeah. I think um, you, you, you are 100% correct, is that this organization was started with a sole purpose in mind, and that was to help the credit provider and the bank. Um, it, I don't think it, uh, you know, and times change, so, so things change. So it's not a criticism. I'm just giving you the facts. Uh, and at the time, I think a lot of focus was just spent on the credit provider and not on the consumer. I don't think the consumer was necessarily saw as a as a stakeholder, although it, it was the consumer's uh, information which was peddled. Um, so th- that changed over time, and. Uh, about, I think, five or eight years into the existence of the South African Fraud Prevention Services, um, the organization was, I think, forced to say, you need to help the guys which are in trouble because if you unwillingly become a victim of identity theft, you as as badly affected as the credit provider is affected who's not getting paid um, because somebody just it takes your information again and open another bank account and another uh, you know, store account, um, and and doesn't pay it. So, so the, then the focus moved to consumers to say, how can we protect the consumers? And then the the victim uh, of impersonation database was was started, and then <clears throat> afterwards the protective registration database was started. So to say, well, you're not a victim as yet, but you you would become one if we don't protect you now. So they definitely a, a, a change from business focus to consumer focus. I think the last five years we um, actively uh, got uh, a PR company involved and with the main objective is to make consumers aware that we exist, number one, and they've got the right free of charge. We don't charge consumers to to list themselves on this victim of impersonation or protective registration database. So a free of charge service to consumers, making consumers aware. But I can tell you it is a challenge in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and b- before this job, I used to be the credit ombudsman. And, and the credit ombudsman, together with the insurance ombudsman and the banking ombudsman, etc., has got a tremendous task to make consumers aware that, listen, we exist and we can and use us free of charge. It, it, it is not a sexy topic financial crime and financial suffering and credit bureaus and all of that. So so people I, I don't think people listen really. Um and it's our challenge to to not make it sexy but to to make it or communicate it in a way that people understand it and that they respond to it and make use of the services to to protect themselves. Because one only understand um the problems once you get there. But you know it's like anything else. It's like uh, if you're not in the market for a DSTV, 
DSTV can advertise until they're blue in the face. If it's not for you, it's not for you. So I think if people uh, are, have not experienced the uh, identity theft firsthand, they if they're not in the market, you know. So, so um, but we need to be aware, and I think we need as consumers, we need to be more conscious and aware of these financial products out there. You know, something stupid. Sorry, Chad, I'm doing over-talking now. But uh, the, the 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 product of getting a free credit bureau report once a year, it is, it is essential to do that. Because just a, a quick example is that if there's information wrong on that credit bureau report and you don't know about it and you apply for a home loan, it's not that you will necessarily get declined. That would be the, the gift to you to decline you. It is when they approve your bond, but they increase your interest rate because of information which doesn't look so great on your credit bureau profile. And then for 20 years, you're paying a higher interest rate than you would have if that information was correct. So, so it is really essential that we know uh, what, what our credit bureau profiles look like, number one. Number two, that is where you will pick up if some, some fraudsters have uh, stole your identity. And, and it will show there that that account has not been paid. Um, and you, you will pick up that it's not you that, you know, it's not you that opened that account. So I think it's those things which we call the unsexy financial instruments, which we as consumers have total access to, free of charge, which we need to take hold of, work with it, and, and get ourselves educated and help ourselves to become more active and good financial citizens. There's been some valuable tips there, and I'd like to, to broaden on it why it's so important to do these profiles, is that we've even come across victims that have been married that didn't know that they were actually married, and they only picked it up while applying for credit to be told, listen, you need your husband or your wife's signature because you're made in community of property, and these people only found out that they were married um, after applying for credit. So so Marnie's already given us a very valuable tip, and he's been giving us a lot more tips um, after the break. We're going to be discussing what to do in a reactive capacity should your identity have been stolen and what we can do proactively to protect ourselves. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're talking about the exceptionally important subject of protecting your identity from identity theft um, as well as what to do should your identity be compromised. And this is something that's critical. It's something that's on the increase worldwide. It's not a uniquely South African phenomena. But we do have massive syndicates operating in South Africa that do have access to information. Before we go into break, Marnie van Skalkbeck from the South African Fraud Prevention Services gave us a very valuable tip. He said you're entitled to one free consumer report a year from the credit bureaus and that you should take advantage of that because you're going to find information on there that may be compromised, but more importantly, can assist you in your repayments because if that information hasn't been updated sufficiently, it may impact negatively on your score. Let's talk a little bit more about that, Bonnie. I did a, I did one of those free credit score checks recently, and to my horror, I found I had one of the lowest scores, and that was because I don't have credit, yes. and I don't have anything that's negative on my name. Why do I have a low score? 
Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things, or I think the major things with the credit bureaus, uh, and I'm not speaking for them, just I used to work for a credit bureau as well, so I've got some understanding. But one, one of the messages that the credit bureaus want to give to their clients is to say, Chad has uh, performed like X, Y, Z in the past, and we, by using that information, how we, how we behaved with credit in the past, we can predict that this is the way he would go if the circumstances uh, remain the same. If there are, there's no history to go, to, to go with and to analyze, the credit bureaus sit at a question mark where they don't know how you will respond to credit. And I think that is the, the reason why you've got a low score is that they, the, the credit bureaus cannot attribute a score because there is just nothing to base it on. What I would suggest people do if you are in that position is, you know, have a, have a small account just running. Um, go for Edkas or, you know, I'm just using arbitrary examples, um, where you can buy some clothes and pay it off. Make sure you pay it off because if you don't pay it off, you know, over time, then it's another, that is even worse disaster. But, um, make sure you pay it off. And then now you've demonstrated that you can manage credit, you can handle it, and, and the credit bureau can actually make an informed decision on a score and provide that to the credit provider who then will make a final decision. So for those listeners out there that may not realize this, you could have been me with your head in the sand. You thought that because you don't have credit and because you've kept your name clean all these years that you are a prime um, individual that, that could that could necessarily get a load in an emergency. You're actually not. You need to have something by which they can measure your payment profile to ensure that you're paying back on a regular basis. So if you do have an emergency and you do need to get credit, you need to ensure that there is some other historical data that they can refer to. So that is a very, very valuable tip. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to chat to Marnie about his plans for 2020 with regards to the South African Fraud Prevention Services and how you can get in contact with the South African Fraud Prevention Services should you need their assistance. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're talking about the all-important subject of protecting your identity. But what do you do should your identity be compromised, or what do you do to protect your identity? Well, that's why we have Marnie van Skalkweg from the South African Fraud Prevention Services in studio today. Marnie, how would you answer the average consumer's question about how to protect their identity, number one? And number two, how would you give advice if their identity has been compromised? Well, number one, I think I will... My, my tip number one is you need to treat your identity documents and information that you provide on the net or whatever. Provide the information, uh, treat it like you would treat cash. You would not give it to anybody. You would make sure that the person who receives it is well deserving of it and, uh, and that, you know, so that is that important. Treat it like you would treat cash. I, I think, uh, that to me remains, um, Prevalent. Uh, what I see that people do is they uh, throw documents away. Um, they throw their old bank statements out. They people are trying to form profiles of you. They would go through the trash well, find that information. Don't do it. Shred it. If you don't shred it, can't ever shred it. And I'm sure the environmentalists will kill me. But burn it. Just get rid of it. 
in a, in a form that people will not recognize who you are. Um, don't click on links that if you haven't originated that, uh, because people will, uh, People receive, to give you an example, people will receive an uh, uh, email that looks like it comes from a bank and to say, please update your information. We haven't updated information for a while. And then click on this link. You are busy giving your information away to somebody who is harvesting that information and who will provide, uh, build a profile on, on you. Um, you know, the, the whole thing about you won a prize about from your uncle in benevolence, it is not true. You know, just forget about it. We still get people complaining about it. It doesn't, it do, it's not true, don't do it. And then the UK has launched a wonderful uh, consumer education drive, which I, I feel uh, works very well, and they prove it is working very well. And it's a, it's a, a thing called Take Five. Sometimes you've got a gut feel that just says something is not right. Don't feel pressured to respond. If you feel that uncomfortableness, just tell, tell the person on the other side of the line, you will phone them back and take five minutes and think about it. Even five seconds. Just think about it. So take five is to me a very important concept. Don't, uh, don't feel pressured to, to, to take a moment. Just to give you an example, my, uh, of what happens. And my mother knows exactly what I'm doing in, in terms of my job. So she understands about information being so very important. She gets a phone call from APSA Bank, which is supposedly APSA Bank, to say, uh, we see a debit order here going through um, of 100,000 rand, and it doesn't look like your account. Um, should we stop it? And of course you say, yes, you should stop it. Uh, and the lady's carried on. She said, oh, gosh, I just... Uh, my system just went down. Um, just give me your your uh, bank account detail quickly. Um, so when the system comes back up, I will I will stop that for you. And guess what? You know, Mum wow. is so proud of Absa trying to 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 help her. She provides that information. So it it is so people. You know, when they steal your information or steal, they don't come blatantly with that. They really come in in a way that you don't expect. Um, and and mum said she had that just that niggle that she shouldn't do it. Um and she should have taken that five, you know, taken that five seconds just to think about it. Um anyway, uh long story, but I think I just want to demonstrate the 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 importance of not feeling pressured by the other person on the line to to provide information or to take a decision there and there. You must remember that when somebody calls you that's intending on conning you, the reason we call it a con is because they're exceptionally convincing and very confident. And what we're taking away from what Marnie says is take time. Um, don't rush into it. Don't give out that information. And if you, you, you have a niggling feeling, cut the call. So now what happens when somebody has been compromised? When, when you realize you've been compromised, I, my, First action would to call to call the South African Fraud Prevention Services. We will take you through a process. Um, we will tell you what to do, what not to do, um, and it is a bit of a process. But remember, we do not want to necessarily protect the fraudsters out there. So we want to make sure that we are dealing with the correct person. Um, we'll take you through a process, and then we get you listed on a protective registration database number one, and if you are a victim already, also on the victim database. How it will affect you. 
because because now you're on this databases and, and it leaves you some consumers with a so what feeling. Um, how it will work is that if you then apply for credit at APSA, APSA will go to the credit bureau first to see if you can afford the credit. Then they come to us and then they look whether you are listed on a fraud database. When they see you are the victim, they get an alert to say, oops, this could be the fraudster applying, or it could be the real person applying. So we're giving APSA just a head-on. Uh, APSA then puts that application in a different queue to a supervisor, and they will start asking you different questions to make sure that you are the correct person. We will also, when you when you, we list you on this database, we will provide you with a reference number and a letter, which you then can also, because APSA will ask for that. So, so that is just APSA's process to make sure that they are dealing with the correct person. And my message here is that if you are listed on as a protective registration or a victim, there could be a pause in the credit application process. For, and but it's good for you. So, so rather enjoy that pause and prove who you are. That because if if it was the fraudster applying in your name, they would also go go through that process, and they would not have the information at hand what APSA needs to to uh, to provide to to prove that they are uh, who they say they are. So so although it is sometimes a frustration, I think it's worthwhile going through that a couple of hours uh, wait before you get the answer. Well, in essence, it's it's rather better to be safe than sorry. That's Tell right. me. Um, the, the contact, how do people get in touch with South African Fraud Prevention Services? Um, there are a couple of ways. I think the best is for people to SMS us with the word protect ID. Just protect ID and SMS this to the number 43366. Then we will get that SMS uh, from our supplier and we will contact you. We will make sure we contact you. You know, I can give you the telephone number. It is just sometimes when we've got such an overwhelming response from radio stations that we, we frustrate consumers because they're trying to get in and they can't. But let me give you the telephone number. Anyway, it's 011-867-2234. My suggestion, however, is to say go to uh, SMS, protect ID to the number 43366. What's the future for the South African Fraud Prevention Services from an organization that started out protecting um, the banks and other financial institutions from fraud, you're now protecting the consumer as well. You must have some great plans in place. Absolutely. And I think I'm very excited to say that we are launching by uh, in the first quarter uh, a product called Secure Citizen. We're moving a little bit forward and proactive because, you know, currently as we speak, uh, credit providers list people who have been trying to defraud them. So it's a bit reactive. What we're trying to do is to move this company a little bit forward, and we're using biometrics, face biometrics, um, voice biometrics, and finger biometrics, where a consumer can identify himself and how the process will work. There will be an app that you can download called Secure Citizen. You would provide us with your voice in your face and a finger. Um, And through that process, when you apply for credit, we will – Go back to you and say, because Edgars will come to us, we will say, uh, Chad, did you apply at Edgars? And you will say, no. And I will say to Edgars, you, you're dealing with the wrong guy. 
he, the, the Chad hasn't applied for credit. Um, if you have applied for credit, we will tell ITCAS, yes, we will verify your voice, verify your finger um, or face. And it is easy as that. A consumer now takes control and gets control of who accesses his information and who not. And, and, and we can do that to make sure we're dealing with the correct person by, by using biometrics. I think it's a very, um, it's groundbreaking in South Africa where we use all the biometrics, not only one. Um, and, and we provide the consumer with that power to make decisions on who can get the data and who not. Um, it's, it's quite pioneering. We've got investors, um, which we're seeing later this week. Um, so I think it's a very interesting process and we can see this flying hopefully by the end of March. So for our listeners today, I think there's two exceptionally important things that you need to take away from this. The first is go check your credit profile. You're entitled to one free credit profile per annum. Um, if you're not on a database actively, they'll ask you a couple of questions. You may have to pr- produce some form of ID. It can all be done electronically, but it's to protect you. It's for you to understand where you stand from that perspective. And secondly, and most importantly, I'm going to ask Marnie again, what do they SMS and to what number to protect their ID? Yes, um, it's the words protect ID. Back your SMS to the number 43366. It's absolutely amazing that there are organizations out there that are talking to one another and their end objective is to protect you as the consumer because fraud and corruption impacts on each and every one of us. And we're not just talking about corruption in, in the public space. Private sector fraud is on the increase in South Africa, and if they can get your identity, if they can get your details, they are going to use it. And the best possible thing to do is to protect it. Marnie, any closing words for our, our listeners and the consumers out there? Well, the, the closing words is to, to take care of your identity, be aware of the signs that you, when you are become a victim of fraud, you know, when the, the debt collectors are starting to phone you on accounts that you, that you don't own. Don't just shrug it off. Don't just think, well, somebody has made a mistake. Um, the, the chances that somebody has opened an account with your name is very good. Um, find out about it and, and then, uh, r- respond to it. You know, we kind of sometimes think people are incompetent and why would they phone me about an Edgar's account if I don't have an Edgar's account? I can guarantee you there is an Edgar's account with your name on. Um, and, and, and you need to go find out about it because you, you just become a victim of fraud. So I think we need to be more conscious. Um, my final word is I think there are these tools that we as consumers can use to make us responsible financial citizens and use them. You've got nothing to lose. You can only got lots to gain. Marnie von Skalkweg from the South African Fraud Prevention Services. I thank you, and most importantly, I thank you for the tips you've given our listeners today. Thank you so much. It was lovely speaking to you. And once your other product is launched, I look forward to having you back in studio. Next week, we're going to be chatting to Hunter Thine. Hunter is an attorney and a specialist when it comes to um, pension fund and provident fund. And he's going to be chatting to us about the increase in pension and provident fund fraud. So next week, Monday, same time, same place, I'll be in chat, chatting to Hunter Thine from Thine Jacobs regarding pension and provident fund fraud.